I have Catherine Kiefer here with me today, and she is focused on radiance coaching and helping her clients break free of chains that might be holding them back. But along that journey or before that, she realized that she had some of her own chains that she needed to work on from her childhood. So I would love to just go ahead and dive into a little bit of childhood grief and almost like reparenting, so to speak, because I think it's something that's not always talked about. We're starting to dive into it more, but we're all in our late twenties and thirties realizing this. So I'd love to hear from you about that. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I really believe that it is a topic that although it's getting talked about more than it used to, it's still really just not talked about enough that people are feeling confident enough to look at their own childhood trauma or chains, if you will. Um, so I have been in the health and wellness industry for over a decade. I have been working on myself longer than I care to admit <laughs> because of, you know, chains that that's why I'm so good at helping people break through theirs. I'm constantly breaking through my own and you'll break one. And then you're like, wait, there's another link. <laughs> so it's a never ending, um, journey, but I had already been, you know, I thought had done the work, had done all these things. And then with my own childhood trauma and grief, I was majorly triggered around two years ago during COVID. And it brought up so many things that just spun my world out of control, yet brought to the surface things that obviously needed to be healed. And it was time, divine timing. Everything happens for a reason. So um, I got, and it's, it's such a random reason that it happened. So I got my dream dog. I got him as a puppy. He was a collie purebred, beautiful. He looked like, um, Lassie. Cute. Oh my gosh. I'd wanted one my whole life. Cause I had one growing up. Her name was Heather and she was my world. And I got him from a breeder. I know that's not everyone's favorite way of doing it, but colleagues are nowhere. I couldn't find one. So I looked, I tried to rescue and his name was Colum. Cause I'm very Scottish and I had to, and he was the fluffiest, most amazing dog. Anyway, I worked my booty off with him and I trained him and I loved him and I walked him constantly and we did all the things. And around a year old, he started to show aggression towards my children. And it wasn't playful aggression. It was scary. So we did the right thing. We talked to the vet and then she recommended a trainer. We worked with the trainer and the trainer came over and the first training session we had he bit her, but not in a way of, we can fix this. He bit her to correct her for doing something he didn't like. And she's like, this isn't good. He should not be in a home with children. And my heart, uh, it sank. So I found a very wonderful rescue. Didn't take him to a shelter right away. Didn't out of fear, just do something irrational and, oh my God, we have to take this dog to somewhere. He's going to kill our kids. No, he was fine. Um, 
And it wasn't his fault. We found out later his mom had food aggression and he inherited it. Another, another podcast inherited trauma. Danny, yeah, even with a, the dogs. That's a whole nother. <laughs> that's so all they do it too. It's so inherited. Um, so we, we took him to this rescue and I'm still feeling tears well up. I've never sobbed so much in my whole life. And I felt like this child again. And I was thinking to myself, what are you doing? You've only had this dog a year. <laughs> um, and then one night, so a little backstory, I've officially, I overcome mental illness every day as well. Um, PTSD, OCD, um, depression, and anxiety. And now mind you, I firmly believe that those are just ways that the doctors try and put you in a little box. That's the only reason I have so many is because I was in too many boxes. <laughs> I do not claim any of those, but it kind of helps. So my husband, I've, we've been married for 14 years and he is a Marine and he understands PTSD very well and trauma. So there was one night I was just uncontrollable and I actually went into a panic attack. And um, when I went into my panic attack, I just started like shaking and all of this emotion started to come up. And I started saying, and I went into this panic attack and all of these things started coming up. So a little backstory, my dad left when I was eight. I'll never forget the day he just came home, packed his suitcase, said goodbye, got in his car and drove off. I was daddy's girl. I ran down the driveway begging him to come back and he didn't even turn around. And then everything just spiraled out of control. So I'm an identical twin. And then I have a little sister who was about one at the time that he left. And my mom, we lived on a sheep farm in Tappahannock, Virginia. <laughs> Chris Brown is from there, not my fault. <laughs> and <laughs> I loved my life there. I loved being in the woods with my sister and we were outside constantly. And that was my life. And I used to sing to my sheep Rambo and he would follow me around the yard at eight years old. And he knew the sound of my voice and it was like a Disney movie. And then after say, dad like, left, like a Disney movie. <laughs> it is like a Disney movie. He loved me and I loved him. And we used to play games, probably dangerous now thinking about it, but it's fine. <laughs> he was huge. Um, and when dad left, we lost everything. We lost the house. We lost all of it. The Heather, my collie that I originally had died. We gave up our other dogs and someone came and collected the sheep. And when he came and got the sheep, Rambo wouldn't go in the trailer. So my mom was like, Catherine, go in and sing to him and get him to go in eight years old, I went in and my animal soulmate, <laughs> I sung to him and he came in and the other sheep followed him. And that was the end. And the last animal I had was this black cat that I named Zachary Banks. And we were in the car ready to leave for the last time. 
And I remember holding on him to him so tight. And he jumped out of the car window and my mom didn't go get him. (laughs) So we drove off rude. Um, we drove off and that was the end of that. And we moved in with my grandparents and I was raised by someone who did not know that healing your own trauma is something you have to do. And, and the dogs are mad that we're, uh, that we're talking about other animals this is what's going on. I'm just kidding. So sorry. It's okay. Gosh. And now he's playing. He hasn't done anything but sleep all day. Anyway, they're pretty muffled though. So it's okay. That's good. Yeah. I'll do this. Um, <laughs> so we weren't allowed. It's almost like we weren't allowed to feel our pain because we were kids. And to this day, my mom talks about my dad as if he is this villain. She calls him the sperm donor. (laughs) They were married for 15 years. And I think we see him about once every 10 years. I really don't. We talk every once in a while, but he has um, seven kids total. Both of my parents have been divorced twice. I think they're in a battle. They're both on marriage three. And the grief was never allowed to be felt because my mom was going through so much pain and you didn't want to make it worse. You didn't want to upset mom because you had to protect her. She was already in so much pain. So you didn't feel your own pain. So little did I know that pain didn't go anywhere. It just apparently buried so deep that it took me losing another animal So fast forward back to where I left off in this panic attack. I just started saying all of their names, started saying all of the animals' names, my dad, my family, I've lost all of these things. I'm like, they're all gone. They're all gone. And I just started, I lost it. And it was like this beautiful energy that just I can't even describe what was happening. And in that moment, I knew that I was never meant to keep column. I, he was a major, major part of my life. And I'm so thankful that it happened because I can't imagine what would have happened if my body would have kept holding on to that because I'm still working on the um, the fear of hurting mom, the fear of not feeling my own pain because it might hurt her. It might hurt someone else. It might not be acknowledged. So sorry, that was kind of a long, (laughs) no, no, no apologies, but yes, that's, that's the grief story that I'm working on. And I, I do love talking about it because I feel like it happens to so many kids And again, there's no villains in this story. There's just people who are walking through their life, not being aware, period. They, they don't understand that everyone is allowed to feel their own pain, even a small child, and that your pain does not null and void someone else's pain, even if it's your child and that children feel everything. 
and they're allowed to, and that doesn't make you a bad parent. That's my mom's major trigger is feeling like a bad parent. And when that comes up, there's defensiveness and there's, well, that's, that didn't happen. And, and then there's also the grief. My second dad left. My mom remarried when I was 11 and he left when I was 16 and I haven't talked to him since I'm 35. So there was this feeling of something's wrong with me. All of these people keep leaving. Why, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? I'm not that bad. <laughs> I think I'm pretty fun. Um, and so it's, it's one of the chains of grief that it, and it just, it all piles on top of each other. So it's, it's been a wild, a wild ride. I think of it like, cause I've, I've been unpacking a lot of that too. Like I'm getting ready to enter my thirties and I don't know where it came from, but I, I started picking up on this, like almost like lost puppy abandonment issues. Like I'm just a lost puppy. Like nobody wanted to adopt or they kept sending me back to the shelter. It's kind of like the best yeah. way I feel like you can like identify that like in a visual form like because I think people all sympathize with a poor puppy that got abandoned but that's what <laughs> it feels like like when you like start to I feel like at least for me like when I look back because I know that was one of the reasons like we so people who were you know in our messages me and Catherine were talking back and forth as soon as she mentioned about what she wanted to talk about I was like oh my gosh my dad left me when I was a kid too like how great is that <laughs> Daddy issues, yay. <laughs> and so it was something that like I've even had to start working on for my own self as well because I realized like in pre-call we we went into parenting and and changing the ways that we parent which we'll we'll talk about but there is this like well what did I do wrong like for for us with my dad like we went on a vacation he wasn't able to come because he had to go to work or something and then we're halfway to Colorado and suddenly he's like oh I can I'm I'm off work now and then we get back home to call from Colorado like a week later and he's gone. And then we don't know where he went. We don't hear from him for, for months at a time. And I was in junior high. Like, how do you explain just like, Hey, yeah, dad just left the three of us behind. Yeah. I don't the four of us, technically my, my three, my two siblings and my mom. So four of us, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild. And like, how do you unpack that? Like you're a kid, like you don't know what to do. You're just like, yeah, I guess our dad just left. I don't know. And like kids like, yeah. where's your dad? I don't know. Like, it's, it's so wild. It's, but it is wild. Yeah. And there's this, this weird. So the few times I have um, seen my dad, it, like you sit next to them on the couch or you go to give them a hug and you're like, this feels weird. And it's weird that it feels weird because they are literally part of you like they're, And then there's this part of you that, oh, if I talk about him, I, I can't talk about him. I, I can't, I can't say I'm going to, I can't say I want to see him. I can't say anything like that because, you know, grandma, <laughs> grandma don't like, grandma, grandma don't like that. Grandma. And I, so what we were talking about with our kids is my family has, and this kind of connects to grief. We have this inherited trauma of angry women and 
it, it stems from grief, anger and grief are not of the different things. It's the same chakra. It's the same part of the body. It's, and so they go hand in hand while that grief and that pain and that anger has just piled and piled and piled. And we're all just taking on each other's stuff. And my friend and I were talking and um, I used a naughty word with her, but we have to heal our own stuff so that we don't pass on that stuff anymore. This is getting ridiculous. I totally completely believe that the reason that the world is in the state that it's in is because we don't take responsibility for healing ourselves. It's not our fault. We're messed up. It's our fault. We stay that way. That is not mine. That's Jen Sincero, but she uses naughty words. Um, <laughs> naughty words are accepted <laughs> here. It's okay. <laughs> oh, good. I'm married to a Marine. So I hear them a lot. An army veteran. And, so <laughs> right. You're like, that's every like, day sometimes it's second nature I've tried to cut down on it around my son because he does not like me using those words and I'm like I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> my daughters are like mom I'm like okay I'm sorry yes oh goodness but I've really really been working on not parenting from a place of being triggered by my grief and by my trauma with my girls because in order to break the circle, somebody has to stop. And then it will slowly, slowly stop. And that doesn't mean that you have to have shame or guilt around your grief and your pain and your anger, even they're all emotions. They're beautiful, but you do have to find ways to work with them from a place of love for yourself and your family and being someone who went through trauma and has grief, it, it doesn't mean that's that you get to, um, blame someone. I know I've had to work on that because most people in my situation are like, well, my mom did this and my mom did that. And it's not a get out of jail free card (laughs) for healing yourself. We all have to heal ourselves. I've even started to just look at my mom as her inner child. She just, she sunk into her own grief and her own pain. And if she wasn't my mom, how would I react if a friend went through something like that? Of course you would react differently and holding space for them, but also holding space for your own healing and your own grief and your own pain. And knowing that you don't need their, um, their, what's the word I'm looking for? Recognition of your pain. Like it's yours. They don't need to confirm it. They don't need to do any of that. And that's kind of where I am in the process is um, just having enough grace and self-love that I don't hold back from talking about the pain. We're still not there yet, but we're working on it. (laughs) My little sister, my little sister is way better at it. She's such a superhero. My my mom had mentioned something and about not being there much. Cause my mom, God love her. She was a teacher. And when my stepdad, when they divorced, she had three daughters and she was on a teacher salary. She was not there much, but it wasn't her fault, but she had commented, Oh, cause I guess I was a terrible mother and I wasn't there much. And my little sister's like, yeah, you weren't like, <laughs> and that was not what mommy wanted to hear. <laughs> 
like, no, you're supposed to say that I was a great mom and that you understood, yeah. but it's like, but you were exactly. gone. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, that and, doesn't mean you were a bad mom, but yeah. you weren't, you were gone. Yeah. Like you said it, not me. Yeah. Um, like, that's like, I think about with my mom too. I'm like, she had to take care of three kids. Like she yeah. was always gone. Like I became the mom because I was the oldest sibling. So I kind of, as like a teen, preteen to teenage years became a mom of two, like, and myself and that whole ordeal. And like, I still have an amazing like relationship with my mom, but it is like, mm-hmm. it is weird when you're like, well, I don't have a good relationship with my dad. And now like my mom has to take care of us. So she's gone. Like, mm-hmm. thankfully over the years, like I have a great relationship with, with her, but it doesn't like take away from, you know, like the childhood, like when we're kids and we're supposed to just have these two parents that are at least relatively put together and can both be there for you. And like, (laughs) so it's hard to, especially like TikTok and things like that now, or because of videos, like then you like see all the parents. So you're like, Oh, is that what a dad's like? Like, I don't, I didn't even get an, I love you. Like I didn't know I, I like they were awkwardly forced hugs like and this person yeah. this dad's over here like crying at a wedding like how do you where'd you get that dad from how do I get one of those <laughs> my grandfather walked me down the aisle I was blessed enough to have the world's greatest grandparents and they took us in every time we needed them and I firmly believe that being a grandparent is like your, your mulligan for parenting. Cause my kids are currently with my mom for a week. They love going to grandma's and it's so beautiful to see. And yeah. Um, and my stepdad now Edwin is the absolute best. We love him so much and they love grandpa Ed. And so they're having a ball, but yeah. You talked about teen years and everything like that. I, um, I actually went through a Gothic phase and now looking back, it was kind of the anger and the grief all just kind of manifesting and you wanted to rebel and do all the things. And Ooh, that was a fun time. That was a fun time. That's what I realized with my own self. Like I got suspended from school. I'd run away from home. I wanted to go through a golf phase, but my mom didn't let me. And so I, I well, my mom cried home. every time we <laughs> walked. I didn't topic. have every close. time. <laughs> so, so I just, I had to just react. And like, I think I stole some person's bike once, like, and then I put it back, but like, I, so I was like, I didn't steal it. I borrowed it, but like, I still like, you know, just all these little things that I did in this act of rebellion that I look at. Yeah. Now as an adult. And I was like, oh, I was hiding my emotions and, and just acting yeah. out in a different way. And I really, really, really want, especially if any parents are listening right now, I want you to stop and ask yourself why your children are doing what they're doing. They're not doing it to hurt you. They're not doing it to, I mean, they could be, but it's from something deeper. Yes. <laughs> Usually no. Um, they're, they're doing it because they don't know how to process their emotions. A lot of people don't realize that the part of the brain that makes you understand what you're going through and your emotional intelligence and things like that does not develop until you're an adult. So teenagers are literally reacting from a place 
where it's all emotion. And I know we're kind of going off here, but it, it all kind of stems back to grief. Um, yeah, you, you kind of have to hold space. And like we talked about before, not parenting from your triggers and your inner child. Cause I know I've, I've done that <laughs> and it doesn't work. It doesn't. I've noticed I've had to really work on things with my son, even when I was like, you know, I got myself whipped so many times as a kid and that doesn't work. Like I already no. know it doesn't work because it never changed my reactions. I just got snottier and, and more defiant, mm-hmm. but yeah, you got angrier. Yep. But yeah, just like um, learning this, like how I was, you know, punished or how I was, I was re retaught things as a kid is not how I wanted to carry that on moving forward. And like that, that quote that you shared from what it was it, Jen Shapiro. No, Jen Sincero. Sincero. I was like, I know I said that last name wrong <laughs> where it's like, it's okay that you have that trauma, but like, how are you fixing it moving forward? And for me, like, I, I just wanted somebody who told me things, like explained it to me, had better communication. Yeah. And so that's how I am moving forward. And it doesn't mean that I don't react with like a burst of anger from time to time or because they're kids, yeah. they don't understand when you give them those, those warnings, like, Hey, I need time to myself before I'm going to lose it. Like they're kids and they don't always understand it, but like learning to be better about how I go about, you know, almost like reparenting for myself and then taking that and using that towards my child, because the hope is they'll take that moving forward for their kids and so forth. Yeah. And I, I was raised in a child, in a childhood where you were seen and not heard. The kids had to go away. The kids, you couldn't have an opinion. You couldn't have emotion. Well, you didn't feel, I don't want to say you couldn't. There was just this sense of fear constantly that you were going to get in trouble, that something was, you know, and again, going back to parents are just parenting from a place of grief and trauma and being triggered as well. No villains, But I remember wanting to talk to my mom standing outside of her bedroom door and being terrified to knock on the door because I didn't want to upset her. I didn't want to, you know, and you, so there's this grief for a childhood where you had quote normal parents, which none of us do, but you kind of get where I'm going. And I knew that I didn't want that for my kids. So I really parent from a place of, I, I would rather be a safe space for you than be this like dignitary that you respect. And in time it's, it's kind of, so my kids are 11 and a half and 13 and they respect us so much, but they also feel so safe, but it's not because we've laid down the law and done the parenting hands. (laughs) No, I'm very proud of my Marine. He was, he just retired. He was in the Marine Corps for 23 years. He will always be my Marine. And, um, there's been moments where his Marine has come out and I'm like, sweetie, um, that doesn't work here. (laughs) 
it probably doesn't even work in the Marine Corps in hindsight. So <laughs> let's try that again. And my girls, we apologize constantly when we know we've done something wrong or if we've said something that we shouldn't have and there's no but associated with it. Well, sometimes it slips out. So if we say something we shouldn't, we don't say, okay, I'm sorry I did this, but you, no, we don't do that. We, I'm so sorry I did this. How can we look at this and do it differently? And my children are just so emotionally aware that it's kind of scary. My 13 year old kind of has her own meditation that she even does. She calls it circle time and she will turn on her favorite songs and she will just walk around the room in a circle singing the songs, but she knows that she needs it when she's feeling emotional. She'll go, I, I need my circle time right now. I'll be right back. I love that. Hey, you do you. And it's such like, I noticed that like, I'll share things that I won't even realize it, but I'll like post it on Facebook or something. And people, like so many people will be like, oh my gosh, like he's so emotionally intelligent. I was like, oh, thanks. Like, like that's us. Like, That's how we're born. We're born with this inherited, like natural intelligence and connection to people, but it morphs into this weird thing when you suffer grief and trauma early in your childhood. And yes, you can't technically fix the brain, but you can rewire the brain. And I don't want anyone listening thinking, well, that's it. There's no hope. I'm screwed. No, there's tons of hope. I am living proof that you can break the chains of all of this. I even, I could even see some narcissistic tendencies popping up too. And I've even been working on that and there is no shame or guilt. It's just the inherited habit that I've had to unlearn. And it's, yeah, if you've suffered childhood trauma and it's never been acknowledged or recognized as painful or what it should have been, you, you can hold that space for yourself and really be the parent that you needed right now. And I talk about that in my podcast. Um, we, we really talk about, you know, being the parent that you needed as a child and holding space for that inner child, but not allowing them to control you anymore. There's multiple yous in there. They're supposed to be, it's not a mental illness. There's your higher self who's kind of watching everything from above. And then there's your inner child who's like freaking out, wanting to throw a tantrum. And then there's your inner victim who's like, woe is me, what is happening? And you just have to decide which one you're gonna go with. (laughs) And. And I think a lot of it too, just starts with just being honest about it. Cause I think too, we can, there's this fine line of, of, we go into this victim mentality, but then there's also, oh, but it wasn't that bad and we minimize it. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's, yeah. it goes back to like, we weren't, you know, we, we didn't feel emotions as kids. We didn't, and of course we felt emotions, but we mm-hmm. weren't supposed to feel those emotions. We weren't supposed to let those out. And so that kind of follows us into adulthood as well, where we're like, oh, well now these are actually affecting me all these years yeah. later. Like, Why am I so I sick? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
So I think it's the body keeps the score. I still want to read that book, but I have it. I haven't read it. The amount of personal development books I have so that I have not finished so is many. unacceptable. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to read these one day. <laughs> and then I end up watching like five hours of their lectures anyway. So I probably read the book just by lecture. <laughs> yeah. By default, you've read their book. <laughs> yes. But no, I, I think it's that. so important. And actually, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on my podcast at all. I think I might have. And if not, maybe I need to do like an actual episode on it. But I had had a Reiki session um, mm-hmm. last year. And I remember like, it was funny, but sad. Um, Cause she was like, I just, she was like, I feel such sadness. And I was in my head, I'm like, I wonder why. Like, I have yeah. no idea why. <laughs> Um, cause I, you know, I outwardly, I'm always like this bubbly, like whatever person, but like, there is a lot of sadness in there, but one of the things about like the body keeping score, which I thought was wild. Um, and she wasn't even doing Reiki at the time she was doing massage, but I think because of that Reiki that she practices in, it kind of is still there compared to, cause I've had tons of massages before. Um, but she would like touch a certain area and it like brought me back to like when an ex had like grabbed me by the wrist or like when something had happened. And I was like, that was years ago. I don't even know that I remembered that, but like she touched me there and my body instantly was back at that. Um, and it's, it's something that I really started to realize we got a doggo in the video. (laughs) He wants attention, but no, it's, it's something that made me really realize that we, we really do like keep all of this in our body and we have a dog that wants to play. I think (laughs) he's special. He wants to go to the bathroom. I think. Oh, (laughs) I was like, I saw a dog coming in. Hi dog friend. (laughs) He's he's giant. He's only eight months old. Oh my god! He's ninety pounds. He's ninety. He looks pounds. like he's like two. <laughs> no, he's eight months old. So cute. Oh my goodness! Trying to. Unfortunately, people in the podcast won't be able to see the dog. But <laughs> what kind of he's dog? He's a he's a he's a Great Dane mass. Not Great Dane. I'm sorry. Great Pyrenees Mastiff. Because I'm crazy. My grandparents uh, have a rescue for Great Pyrenees out in Colorado. So they've got oh, all of awesome. the big, the big puppies. They're like six yeah. months old and they look like they're full grown. 20. I love it. Yeah. Oh no. He's well, thankfully he got the Mastiff fur, but everything else is Great Pyrenees attitude, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So there's a happy ending. I got my dog, but not, it's fine. He's, he has anxiety too. <laughs> he has to go on Prozac. Oh, he's a rescue. It's fine. He'll be okay. We're all, we're all doing the best we can. We're all just trying to heal. Even, even our dogs, <laughs> even yeah. our dogs are trying to heal their trauma. You know, I have a theory that animals pick up whatever when they're puppies, whoever they're around, they also pick up on that energy. And I think that's also why, like, if you go to a country where dogs are more wild than in the house, like Mexico or something, they don't have cancer. Dogs don't have any of that crap over there. It's just here. 
we have to think, what are we doing energetically to our pets? <laughs> we're not letting them outside. They're all stuck in like studio apartments or they're stuck in, <laughs> in their little crates or like maybe they have freedom, but then their parents are yeah. gone half the day. Like it's sad. I know it is so sad. It, and, but sorry, puppy tangent. I love puppy tangents. Um, Childhood trauma so yes. and and dog trauma <laughs> and puppies, dog trauma, human trauma. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is my grief to gold story is just allowing myself to finally process the grief and not think, oh my gosh, you're 35 move on, get over it. You don't need to get over it in someone else's timeline. You can take all the time in the world that you need and you can one day feel like you're healed. And then one second, something will trigger you like the loss of a pet and you will have to do it all over again. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the key is to learn to love yourself, even in those moments and to just recognize that grief can be beautiful because there's no better place to be than coming out of it at the bottom and knowing that the only way to go from here is up. Um, and if I can encourage anyone who's had childhood trauma, daddy issues, all the things, it's to release the victim card because trust and believe I loved my victim card. I loved it. I loved it. It still pops up every once in a while, but once you let go, it gives you this, this power back. And it doesn't mean that what happened to you wasn't valid. It doesn't mean it wasn't painful. It doesn't mean that it was right. It means that you are taking the power back in your life and kicking booty because we only get this one. I didn't want to spend the rest of it being miserable. My great grandmother, God rest her soul was the grumpiest, most miserable woman ever. And she was until the day she died when she was 96 years old. And I cannot imagine getting to my deathbed and realizing that I spent my entire life like being a victim of this thing that held me back. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a perfect way to close too, because we do have this one life and like, I could use all of the things that have happened in my life and be like, Oh, but, but, but this happened to me. So that's why I need to sleep in my bed every single day for the for the next month or two or three, or, or I'm going to go back to this because, well, this happened. And instead finding this power in it, because it shapes how you, how you go about other relationships too. Like, as I've been healing with my dad's side of things, I realized like, it was probably a huge reason why I was with like my, my late husband, um, a lot of the things that he, the emotional and availability and like, you know, belittling and, and like, it, I still will speak highly of him to some degree, but there were a lot of things that like he didn't work through. And so, um, but because I hadn't healed my relationship with my dad internally, I, 
you know, I was given it in the form of a husband. I was given it in a form of this. And, and then I sat down, I was like, no, I don't allow that in my life anymore. Like, I don't accept that I'm healing from this. I'm only going to accept the healed, you know, we're all healing, but being able to, to work through that and like work through those emotions and that combination, like you said, of like understanding they aren't the villain they're dueling with their own things, but your, your emotions were still valid and mm-hmm. you are allowed to feel those and you're allowed to work through those. Um, another thing that you mentioned, I think also in closing, um, you mentioned like the, like PTSD anxiety and everything, and that you are recovering every day. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember saying that, but I yeah. love, Oh, I, I see love it that. all the time. I love it's, that. Yeah. It's a purposeful way to live with mental illness because yes, there's medicine you can take. And yes, some people do need it. But for me personally, I didn't want that to be a part of my journey personally. And it's not because I think it's wrong. It's not because I think people shouldn't, it just, it didn't work for me. And so that's why I became a health coach. It saved my life. It saved my mental illness movement and nourishing my body and, doing the growth and all of that with, I don't even want to know where I would be if I hadn't have started that journey. And it just proves that you're always going to end up where you're supposed to be as long as you just keep going and show up every day. And even if you're having a terrible day, and that means just getting up and showering, you've done something, you know? Yeah. So I think it's important but thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank and, you. Um, as we close, I'll have it in the show notes, but how can people find you on social media or for your coaching and things? Like um, that? I am Instagram is where I'm most active and that's at Catherine K A T H R Y N. My mom wanted to be difficult Kiefer. Um, and I have my own website, coachcatherinek.com, and I've started a podcast. We've only had one episode, but we are new and ready to go, and I am so excited and so thrilled, and I'm going to be launching my group coaching program September 1st. It's my beta program. I'm really excited about it. It's about radiance for everything you do, and it really really takes the stress out of health because I feel like there's just so much right now. Oy. <laughs> be a whole other episode to go over. I know. <laughs> Is your health killing you? It's like, going to yes. be the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's killing you, but is your <laughs> Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me and I will have your information in the show notes and yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you.